were being chased in Chad by guys with knives that were two feet long and I, I definitely dropped the camera when the guy charged me directly with the knife. Unfortunately, this scenario, getting charged by a man with a two-foot-long knife, is far from the only sticky situation in which today's guest has found himself. He also climbed some of the highest and most dangerous mountains in the world. Why? Why? I find myself asking that question a lot. Why? Why do we choose to do things that sometimes have so much downside risk? It's also profound if you if you do find what you really love to do, and even though it's it could ruin you and, and it'd be a huge risk, maybe it is worth it. Hello. Before we get to the show, quick second to thank you. We're thanking you, the Meister fan. Thank you. We're up sixteen percent in the month of March. Thank you for helping to spread the word. We're up about 100% on the year, which is super, super exciting. Thanks for helping to spread the word. If you're new to the show and you haven't subscribed to the podcast, that helps. You can do it. It's free. Just use whatever podcast platform you like and press subscribe. Also, if you haven't left a rating and review on iTunes, that helps out too. Helps us get discovered by people who didn't even know that they were looking for Mountain Meister until they found it. Thanks, and on to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mountain Meister. Today, we welcome Renan Ozturk. Renan, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. For the listeners, if you don't know Renan, he does a lot of different things. He's an artist, cinematographer, professional athlete, high-altitude mountaineer, explorer, entrepreneur, and probably many other things. If he was a podcast host, he'd have it all. Renan is the co-founder of Camp 4 Collective, an adventure film and commercial production company. He is the 2013 National Geographic Adventure of the Year and a 2015 Mountain Meister. Renan, I don't normally ask this question, uh, but I think I might start because it has the potential to bring up some really surprising answers given the kind of people we have on this show. How's your day going? What have you done so far today? Yeah, today's kind of crazy. Just um, we're taking care of a new puppy. Oh, I just heard. Of, I just heard uh, he or him or her bark. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, his name's Baloo. He's a he's twenty five percent Timberwolf um, and Husky and Malamute. So he's a little bit crazy, and uh, also in the middle of three film productions and um, editing some other ones that just uh finished earlier in the fall so yeah it's been a little crazy this morning so part wolf yeah he's he's got some timber wolf in him i guess but uh his grandmother was a timber wolf a fellow north face athlete kit delorier used to have a, a wolf yeah she's she's told me that story before and i've it, it's it said a lot when she's she's talking about chasing down her wolf and biting it and drawing blood and becoming the alpha female. <laughs> so, yeah, Kit's a pretty powerful lady. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so you have an interesting name. Uh, we had someone named Faith Dickey on the show in episode number 96. She does something very faithful in slacklining, occasionally free solo slacklining. 
Uh, also, Howie Sanborn, episode number 102, uh, a very military-sounding name, in my opinion. Turns out he is a third-generation serviceman. You, your name, Renan Ozturk. What can you tell us about it? Well, I was born in Germany, and my, my father's Turkish, so um, I think Renan is Turkish, but it's also um, Israeli. Mm-hmm. My mother tells me it means a song, hmm. and uh, my last name, Ozturk, is kind of like the smith of Turkey. It's a very common last name. It means the real Turk. So why why aren't you a musician if your name is Songsmith, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, my, my mother and my grandmother are both musicians, huh. so they're professionally, and despite their best efforts. I didn't turn out to be a musician. Um, although I did play a lot of instruments growing up, my name's it's, it's always kind of misconstrued. Um, and I've even been on shoots with people for long periods of time where they still mispronounce my name, but I don't, I don't seem to I don't mind. It's, Am I doing okay? How do, uh, can you pronounce your name? Um, Renan. Okay, yeah. It's, okay. it's, uh, it's not exactly phonetic. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's it's been kind of a source of comedy over the years. So I kind of just go with it. I'm not too uptight about it. Okay, good. <laughs> Neither am I. My last name is Shank, but it's a, a bunch of letters for just that one simple pronunciation, but people somehow seem to mess it up. Uh, so at the beginning of the show, I mentioned that you do a lot of different things. Uh, artist, mountaineer, athlete. Let's start with the art. Uh, first of all, I saw that you were a biology major in school. So where, where did the passion for art come from? Uh, I ended up taking a few art classes through school. Um, but the last class I took was a drawing class with a really great professor at Colorado college. And that kind of stuck with me and I gave away all my belongings and hit the road. I had some friends drop me off in the desert with a few duffel bags and some art supplies and coming from uh, the busyness of school, art was a, a way for me to do something um, that I felt passionate about. That was a good balance, the climbing uh, when I was resting. Because uh, if I was just climbing all the time, then I just would have no time to recover. And it was a it was a good thing for me to actively develop kind of at the same time. Why did you do that? Why did you drop everything and tell your friends to drop you off? Where, where was it? Um, it was Indian Creek at the time. Mm-hmm. So Canyonlands, Utah. Uh, it was a yeah, kind of a crazy story. It was a big rainstorm, and I didn't even have a tent. And they were a little dubious that I was going to be okay. Uh, but I found an old mining shack and kind of bedded down there first few nights before um, I found a better place to camp and a community of the seasonal dirt bags that were staying there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a big step for me and I was inspired by just seeing those places during the times that I'd done short trips there, whether it was Indian Creek or Joshua tree or Yosemite I knew those were spots that I wanted to really dedicate more time to, both for landscape painting and obviously to to climb. Hmm. And and now you've 
transitioned into more of the cinematography, which is very different, not exactly minimalist, like uh, a lot of the maybe more fine arts are. How has the transition been? I mean, you've been pretty successful with it. Is it a difficult transition? Uh, It wasn't exactly a planned transition. I just ended up going on more and more expeditions, got the opportunity to do that um, through sponsors like the North Face and telling these crazy stories um, and being on trips with professional photographers who are telling the stories and realizing that there's this big opportunity to take the painting further. And initially I was doing these bigger and bigger murals and base camps and then taking photos of them digitally and cutting them up in Photoshop and making animations out of them. Mm. Um, but that really wasn't enough and it, it didn't quite have the same depth as telling a more well-rounded story with the new digital cameras that were, were coming out. So, um, trips like Meru and, um, the one, leading right up to that before that, which is a National Geographic trip to the Tibetan Plateau where we were climbing into cave cities and finding human remains and ancient artwork were two uh, big trips where I just realized that that was a, a place to take the the painting and that type of visual art to the next level, the cinematography and since then it's kind of all snowballed into different opportunities and to tell bigger stories, but, and then commercial stories and all kinds of things. So are you normally the person behind the camera? Yeah, I'm normally the person behind the camera, but it's, it, it all blends together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still an athlete for the North face. And as a lot of professional athletes know that part of the responsibility is, being in front of the camera and posing for certain things um, or being a personality and doing stuff like that. So I still kind of on both sides. Yeah. I do a fair amount of research on the people that we have on the show. And there's this introduction uh, to the piece about you uh, for Nat Geo's Adventure of the Year when uh, you were named one of those in 2013. Um, It says... Climber, artist, and filmmaker Renan Ozturk has been held at knife point in the deserts of Chad, sustained a traumatic head injury while backcountry skiing in the Tetons, and suffered through hallucinations on the Himalayan big walls. Through it all, the cameras have been rolling. That was written by Fitz Cahal. He's the meister from episode 61 and the creator of another popular podcast, Dirtbag Diaries. Is there ever a time when the cameras shouldn't be rolling? Uh, I mean, there there definitely should. There's there's times when they shouldn't be rolling, but um, those times um, are are probably the times where you get back in the edit and you're kicking yourself because the cameras weren't rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've, I've, there's plenty of times where I, I turn the camera off. We were just in Everest Base Camp last year um, doing a film. Um, for Universal, a feature doc that was supposedly on the perspective of the Sherpas climbing the mountain. It's called Sherpa, and it should be out this spring. Um, and then while we were there, the avalanche happened, and it was really hard to point the camera in people's faces 
Um, there were just so many vultures from every news agency in the world over there trying to just be over there to, to get the story because that had happened. And even though we were there in the first place to create a well-crafted film to show how much the Sherpas actually do on the mountain, nobody understood that in the moment. So you felt like an asshole pointing the camera in those moments, but you knew it was important for this greater cause. And, you know, I was just there a few weeks ago and screened the film for the Sherpas, and they were... Um, yeah, I think appreciative of those moments, even uh, going and visiting the widows and putting the camera in their faces and filming, holding their um, small babies and really, really intense moments. Um, So I don't know if that answers your question, but... That that does answer it. How, How do you feel, though? I mean, these are really intense moments. Like, what is the emotion that you have being the one who's pointing the camera in an uncomfortable situation? Um, honestly, I think probably hide behind the, the camera a little bit and try to have as much compassion as, as possible. Um, I mean, in in other moments, like, yeah, we were, we were being chased in Chad by, um, guys with knives that were two feet long and those moments were just kind of fear and. I, I definitely dropped the camera when the guy charged me directly with the knife. In other moments, you just hold it, and then, and then when you're climbing serious objectives with partners like Conrad, um, trying to achieve lifetime lifetime dreams, you also have to make hard judgment calls. And you're holding the camera, holding the camera, holding the camera, and then something happens, and you literally drop it on the cord and go back to belaying or doing what you're doing and try not to slow down the, the climb or the expedition because a lot of the objectives are, are serious. And if you did, you never achieve your goal. More Mountain Meister coming up in a bit. But first, let's take a few minutes to introduce you to a sponsor of ours. I sat down with Eric Larson, the Polar Explorer, and Meister number 46, we chatted about the DeLorme InReach Explorer. First and foremost, I, I get a lot of questions about gear, and people always ask me what one of the most important pieces of gear is that I carry. And time and time again, top of the list, number one, is the DeLorme InReach Explorer. It is a really important tool for me to use on all my adventures, whether it's at the North Pole or in my backyard in Colorado, because it can do a lot of different things. First and foremost, it's an emergency beacon. And I think a huge part of responsible recreation or anybody being in the backcountry is being responsible for yourself. An accident is an accident, plain and simple. And so it doesn't matter if, you know, I'm on a trail in Colorado or in the middle of Antarctica or the Arctic. Um, being able to trigger an SOS, have somebody know specifically where I'm located anywhere on the planet, to be able to do triage from anywhere by sending texts back and forth to provide additional information for a potential rescuer. That's a huge benefit. And that's, as far as the in-reach goes, that's an incredible feature. 
Equally important for me is simply just using the inReach as a satellite communicator. Doesn't matter, again, anywhere that I am on the planet, I can send and receive text messages. Um, And that's a huge thing, whether it's dealing with logistics for a plane pickup or just texting my family to make sure that everybody's okay. Yeah, exactly. And for our listeners, like if you go someplace new, like just someplace you've never been before, you don't know if there's going to be cell service there. So knowing that you have this 100% global coverage, uh, what what does that really mean? Global coverage is everywhere you go. I mean, the North Pole, the South Pole, top of Mount Everest, and everywhere in between. Um, that's global coverage. And so the, the InReach uses the Iridium network, which uses satellites that are orbiting the Earth in a polar route. And so you always have a signal anywhere on the planet. You really can't get any sort of global coverage with any of the other SOS beacons that are out there right now. For $35 off of your purchase of the DeLorme InReach Explorer, type in the code MEISTER, all lowercase, M-E-I-S-T-E-R, at inreachdelorme.com. Full highlights of our deals on our deals page at mtnmeister.com. And now, back to the show. So let's let's talk about Meru. Uh, Audience Choice Award at Sundance, congratulations on that. In in the trailer, John Krakauer says something that pretty much we're going to talk about for the next 10 minutes. Uh, he says, am I taking too many chances? Can I control the risk? And this is obviously describing uh, what the film is about. Am I taking too many chances? Can I control the risk? And then he says, of course you can't control the risk. Well, then why am I doing this? Because I have to or I go crazy. One of the purposes of this film is to explain this obsession, but for a lot of people, I don't like. Is that a good enough reason? Like because I have to or I go crazy? Um, yeah, I think it's a lot more complex than that. And uh, we, I mean, we we re-edited the film um, fully three times, reshot interviews many, many times. Um, and I think we stated all this a lot more clearly in the, in the earlier cuts and in the, in the final cut, I think it just is a lot simpler and speaks for itself and just shows Conrad's life and what he's, what he's been through and what he's achieved. And we all had our own risks and, and rewards um, but initially when we were putting together the, the film, um, Jimmy and myself, we had some meetings with, with John just to see if he could advise us on some of these bigger story elements. And he pointed us towards a, a article that he wrote for byliners called the Sisyphean paradox. And it talked about Sisyphus, the guy in Greek mythology who the gods damned to push the rock up the hill um, for his entire life, and, the, and he would just push it up and then roll back down again, and his life was suffering. And John's talking about the philosopher Camus and his interpretation of Sisyphus. And Camus basically brings up the, the point of, you know, if you have something that you really love in life, a passion, and it can, um, you're kind of 
in this spot where you you're you're screwed if you do and you're screwed if you don't so you have to somehow accept that and conrad's this character where he knows he loves pushing the rock and suffering in the high mountains and pushing it to his limits and maybe he's maybe sisyphus has beaten the gods maybe conrad's figured it out that that's what he loves to do and um even though it's a huge risk to him and his family then that's that's uh what he has to do to find happiness in this life and Sisyphus maybe knows that too, and he's escaped his um, punishment by the gods by just enjoying pushing up his rock. Hmm. But Sisyphus, I'm not sure if he did, but I mean, when we talk about people having families, they don't get the reward, do they? It's a very personal endeavor. And yeah, you can decide what your risk and what your rewards are, but there's another side where there are people accepting all of the risk, but getting very little reward. That's yeah, it's very true and undeniable. Um, yeah, I'm also, I mean, we're editing this Myanmar Burma Mm -hmm. film right now. And, um, the opening lines that we've been playing with are from Mark Jenkins. Who's another character that's like Conrad. He's been doing, cutting edge expeditions for in the Himalaya for over 30 years. And he's a writer for natural geographic and his work spans all kinds of things. And he's a crossly old mountaineer who's, who's been through everything. He's had friends die in his arms and he says, and I mean, in the latest cut that we have in the opening of film that mountaineering is not heroic. You're not, it's not a noble death if you die and, the people back home never recover from that. If, if you die in the mountains and, and leave people uh, much like when Alex Lowe died and left his family that Conrad now um, has nobly like been an amazing father and husband to. So yeah, it's just, you can't justify mm-hmm. any of that. You can't justify the risk and there's no reward for the people back home. I think they just have to understand it's what makes you tick and it's never easy. And I think it's, it's sort of an unanswerable question. Yeah. I can't really relate to the mountaineering part of it, but I I quit my corporate job. Uh, I took a risk to become an entrepreneur and doing that. I mean, if you look at the data, it's, it's like not a financially sound decision. Like, you know, we hear about these success stories, but the fact of the matter is that, the majority, the vast majority of businesses fail. And sometimes I wonder why I'm doing it. You know, like similar to how Krakauer says, why am I doing this? Because I have to, or I go crazy. Um, Yet, as I just said to you, that's not a good enough reason. Uh, But that's the case for me. Like, I feel like I have to do this or else I'll go crazy. But then I also sometimes think, like, Rather than thinking I'm some sort of unique individual that has to do something creative or else I go crazy, maybe I just didn't have what it takes to stick it out. Like maybe I was experiencing the same thing as everybody else, like another day, another dollar, yet I don't have the patience or the mental perseverance to stick it out. 
do you ever think about that? Like, like maybe this because I have to do it or I go crazy is actually just like I don't have what it takes to keep myself from doing it. Yeah, I mean, everyone has to deal with it in their lives, finding what they're passionate about and hopefully going after it. It's a really hard question, a really personal thing. I think most of the world is, uh, yeah, has to just survive and and is just doing what is set in, in front of them. They don't have the option to, to follow their passion and kind of have the privilege. Like, um, you know, it's kind of first world problems for a lot yeah, of no, us. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, uh, but it, it's also it's also profound if you, if you do find what you really love to do and even though it's, it could ruin you and, and it'd be a huge risk, uh, maybe it is worth it. Yeah. Um, it's better, probably better than just conforming into what society tells you to do because that's what you're funneled into. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a challenge. Um, and, and it's really personal for everyone, but I think, it doesn't matter if it relates to the mountains or extreme sports. Like you said, there's a, there's a risk involved for everyone, no matter what it is. If you're selling toilet paper or um, if you're climbing a mountain or making a podcast, whatever it is. What is your biggest fear? Um, I guess, yeah, the worst thing that could happen would be um, to die and just leave everyone that loves you um, in the wake of that would probably be the worst thing I can imagine. It's interesting that your biggest fear is so close to what you do. Let's lighten it up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) We like to get a gear recommendation from all of our Meisters and we'd like to get one or two from you, Renan. You can make it a down jacket if you'd like but understand that we have had several of those recommended in the past. Or you can do something lesser known, uh, whatever you would like. Give our listeners something that they have to have. I've posted this on my Facebook before, but it's the uh, Soothe. Um, it's, it's just like this random hand cream that I always take on expeditions. It's in a tiny tin. And when you're climbing, uh, probably the most painful thing that can happen is you it happens to me on, on almost every trip, even when I put this stuff on, but it, your cuticles separate from your fingernails and there's a lot of nerve endings there and it's really painful. Um, but Soothe, it's like a local company in out of Boulder run by one lady and she just makes a really nice hand salve that it's nice to have on expeditions for keeping those uh, cuts underneath the fingernails from separating too much and keeping your hands together. Very great. Good. I don't know if we've ever had a hand cream recommended before. For the listeners, you can look at that on Renan's Meister profile page on our website, mtnmeister.com. One final question for you, Renan, is that we'd like to hear who you'd like to hear as the next Mountain Meister. I would say um, Wojtek Kurtica, uh, if you've never had him on, but he's uh, definitely a hero of mine. His philosophies would be really cool to hear. He's probably one of the most well-quoted 
Alpness for his kind of honesty and purity of style and how he talks about it. So it'd be interesting to to hear him on the show. Excellent. Keep an ear out for that on a future episode of Mountain Meister. Renan Osterk, thank you so much for sharing this time with us, and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hello, Meister fans. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Renan Ozturk, mountaineer man, mystery. <laughs> Sometimes I don't understand the things that I say on here. Uh, let's see, we've got some current deals going on. 35 bucks off of that uh, DeLorme InReach Explorer that Eric Larson talked about in that episode. If it works for a Polar Explorer, it can work for you. Full details on our website. In a nutshell, just type in the code MEISTER at checkout. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of this podcast, Mountain Meister. As always, enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do when you listen. I'm the host, Ben Shank. Talk to you soon. <laughs>